just want to let you know from here on this morning, I want to work backwards. So I'm going to start at the end and come back. So what I would normally say, the last thing I would say on a typical Sunday morning of worship is go in the name of God the Father. Go in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. And go in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's our customary benediction or blessing, this missal, as we go out from worship. And we say it in that way, acknowledging and naming that the God we love and serve and who loves us is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's right there in the creed that we just said together. If you look at it on the page together, the entire creed, it's basically the outline is, I believe in God the Father, and in the Son, Jesus Christ, and I believe in the Holy Spirit. This is foundational to our faith, our belief in a Trinitarian God, three in one. And it's fitting that this Sunday, Trinity Sunday, in the life of the church and the calendar of the church, the liturgical calendar, comes the Sunday after Pentecost. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. If you were in here, you remember we were celebrating the coming of the Holy Spirit of God. And so it's fitting to come on the heels of that with the Trinity, naming that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And, and I just have to say now, this is a tough one. The, the Trinity, even as a concept, is, is a bit of a mystery. As for me, and has been down through the ages. And so even for me to prepare a message around the Trinity is a challenge. And I like to think in some sense, I kind of know what I'm doing. Like, this is what I do. It's like uh, my wife Kristen and I went to a Braves game a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we both love baseball. I grew up playing baseball. Uh, I remember when the Braves played at Fulton County Stadium, you know, when all it was was concrete and baseball. And well, we're sitting there watching the Braves, and 10-game win streak, by the way. Go Braves. Um, so they're watching the game, and we look up at the board, and, and Kristen says, uh, what's slugging percentage? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's complicated. You know, it's, you wouldn't understand it. It factors a lot. I, think, I don't know. <laughs> I have an idea. You know, I, I have a sense of what it is. And, um, and so I kind of tried to explain it and, and, and make it sound like it made sense. And uh, so naturally, what did we do? We pulled out a phone and went to Google, right? You just Google what is slugging machine. There it is, you know, an explanation. And I was kind of right, mostly right. Um, that's kind of how it feels to try to preach about the Trinity. It's like, I kind of have an idea and, you know, got some thoughts on it. And, um, but it's a mystery. It's a mystery of our faith. In fact, we've got a series of sermons that Pastor Stacy and I have planned for later this year where we're going to take up some of those mysteries of our faith, those things that can be puzzling about what we believe and how we live it out. 
But that, this fits in that category to me. The Trinity. To understand God is three in one. Three distinct persons and yet one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet it is. It, it's the, in many ways the bedrock of our faith. And when we come up against these mysteries, these things that are hard to understand or make sense of in our lives or in our faith especially, I don't know. I don't know how you deal with those. Sometimes maybe it's just like, nope, that's too much for me. And, and just check out. Maybe that in a moment might be a way to go, but gosh, as you live this life of faith, you can't just check out. Like, I mean, it, it, it's the kind of thing that draws you in and engages you. So, so maybe you go to something like this and you think, well, okay, I'll just figure it out in a way that makes sense to me and that'll work for me and that'll be mine. And, I mean, there is a place for that personal discernment, and yet we know that we're in this together. This is a shared faith, a a communal faith, which is why I'm thankful that we have such deep roots, such a deep and rich tradition of our faith where people who've gone before us for centuries have spent their energy and their time and their gifts together to to understand the mysteries of our faith like the Trinity and, and to pass that down in ways that, that we could perhaps understand and live with and live into. It's one of the reasons I'm thankful for the uh, Shambly 101 class that Pastor Stacy's leading during the Sunday school hour this month in June where she just sort of opens up Methodism, Christianity, Methodism, and you know what that looks like at Shambly for anybody who's new to the church. And in fact, last week I sat in with them and one of the things we talked about was the fact that this very topic, the Trinity, created a a schism in the church a thousand years ago between the Eastern Church and the Roman Church. And I mean, some of it was about power and, and who's in charge, but directly related to that was the role of the Holy Spirit and how do we understand the Holy Spirit and, and the Son and the Father as a part of the Trinity. And this is something we've been working at for a long time. You know, uh, famously, St. Patrick used the shamrock to try to explain the Trinity. You know, and in his evangelistic efforts, he would take the shamrock and point to the fact that there were three leaves on it that, that would be representative of how we understand the three-in-one God, the, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but yet it's one plant, you know, three-in-one. I've heard, you know, descriptions or metaphors like, you know, think of the sun, how there is the, the star itself, the sun, the fire ball that is the sun, and yet with that we also see the light that comes from it. We receive the warmth of the sun, that we experience the sun in multiple ways, even though it's one thing. I've, I've heard water used as an example, like uh, because we, uh, we have water in three forms. You have it as a liquid you can have it as a solid, as ice, or you can have it as a vapor. And so there's this sense that there's one thing, there's water, and it comes in three different, where we experience it in three different ways. I mean, really all of these analogies, if you push them far enough, there's going to be some holes, there's, there's going to be some places where they come up short. Because again, we're talking about something mysterious. Something that is bigger and deeper and beyond our ultimate comprehension or explanation, and and we're just doing our best. I mean, think about it for a minute. How would you explain the Trinity? 
to a six-year-old. No, really, Vacation Bible School is this week, so if you could, I'd appreciate if you got any thoughts there on how to explain the Trinity to a six-year-old. You'd be helping a fellow out. (laughs) Right? Well, just in the very word, Trinity, it's a way to describe and understand God. We go all the way back to the first century. One of the early church fathers, Theophilus of Antioch, is the the first one to use that term to describe God. And, And Theophilus actually described God as Father, Word, and Wisdom. From the Greek from the New Testament Greek. Like, Jesus is called the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God in the beginning. And, and in fact, in the Greek, it's not, he didn't say Father, Word, and Wisdom. He said Father, Logos, and Sophia. That's the Greek word for wisdom. And, and Theophilus, in an effort to explain it, called those two, Word and Wisdom, Logos and Sophia, the two hands of God. God's active presence in the world, working. That if you think about even in creation, right, that, that it says that God spoke life into being, the word. And we have this image in Genesis of God forming out of the clay humanity. And then God's spirit, the Old Testament, the ruha, the breath of God breathing life into human beings, into Adam and Eve. And in that sense, God's logos and wisdom, God's breath, God's word and wisdom bringing forth life, God's two hands creating the creator God this is actually the the trinity is the very first thing addressed in the united methodist church's articles of religion in our book of discipline that sort of orders the life of the church that states what we believe and how we're going to live that out the first article is about the trinity i want to read it for you it's short Article 1, of faith in the Holy Trinity. There is but one living and true God, everlasting, without body or parts, of infinite power, wisdom, and goodness, the maker and preserver of all things, both visible and invisible. And in unity of this Godhead, there are three persons, of one substance, power, and eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Did that help? <laughs> I mean, that's, that represents a lot of hard work by a lot of smart people with a lot of sincere faith to try to help explain something that is ultimately unexplainable. It's a mystery of our faith that is a reality of our faith. And here's the thing about mysteries, right? On the one hand, when you encounter a mystery, you, you try to solve it maybe figure it out answer it like an episode of law and order or 
trying to figure out who messed up the playroom and, and who's going to be responsible for cleaning it up. Sometimes we come at mysteries trying to solve them, answer them, figure them out. But some mysteries aren't necessarily meant to be figured out or solved. Some mysteries are meant to be accepted, acknowledged, received, and as such, explored, experienced, and assimilated into who we are and how we live. Some mysteries aren't meant to be explained. Siblings in the faith, I don't know that we explain the Holy Trinity. God, three in one. To me, it's kind of like love. How do you explain love? How would you explain love? Would you talk about it like a decision? Or a feeling? Or an action? I think there's some things that are meant to be experienced, not explained. And we try to explain, we do our best. But things like love, much like the presence and existence of God Almighty, three in one, are best known by experience. By experiencing God's presence in our lives and in the world and in history. And that's the testimony of all those that have gone before us that fashioned the creed or wrote the scriptures. Now, granted, there's not a verse in the Bible that says, okay, y'all, there's a trinity. <laughs> and this is the trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And yet it is the testimony of the scriptures that this is how God has chosen to reveal God's self to us down through time. As Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Even in the very creation story, in the very beginning in Genesis 1, when God is creating humanity, God says, let us create them in our image. Even from the beginning, there's the evidence that God exists three in one that God exists as a community in God's self oh and then we're created in the image of God to live into that community to be a part of that together with one another and with God in the great commission when Jesus sends the disciples out he says go into the world baptizing them in the name the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, even Jesus himself names the presence and the importance of the Trinity. Which brings us to our scripture reading for today as we work backwards. In just a minute, I'm going to read a few verses from John chapter 16. 
Again, it's not a verse that said, here's the Trinity and here's what the Trinity is and means. But it is words of Jesus giving us an idea as followers of his what it means to live a life with the Godhead, three in one. So I'm going to read John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. And after I finish reading it, I'm just going to ask you to affirm it with me. I'll say, this is the word of God for the people of God. And you all respond, thanks be to God. This is what Jesus said. I have much more to say to you, but you can't handle it now. However, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He won't speak on his own but will say whatever he hears and will proclaim to you what is to come he will glorify me because he will take what is mine and proclaim it to you everything that the father has is mine that's why I said that the spirit takes what is mine and will proclaim it to you soon you won't be able to see me soon after that you will see me This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In this moment, in the narrative, in John 16, we find Jesus with his disciples after the Last Supper, where he had washed their feet, we had served them communion, what we now celebrate as the communion meal. And yet, before he was arrested to be tried and ultimately crucified and buried, And then raised from the dead. And in this moment, in between this last meal they shared and his arrest, John tells about Jesus, the way it reads to me anyway, bearing his heart to his disciples. Because if you go and read those chapters, John 14, 15, 16, Jesus is telling them about salvation and love and about heaven and and he talks about being the vine and we are the branches and and then he also talks about this sense of the trinity the presence of God how they how we will experience the presence of God in ways that they didn't even know yet and in ways that we don't even know yet that the spirit of God will take what is the father's that has been given to the son and will proclaim it to us This is the foundation of our faith that we have a God who is three in one. A God who is a creator. Who created and creates. Who breathes life. We have a God who is a savior. Who brought salvation. Who came to earth in the form of a human being and gave his life. Our God thought it right and was willing to die. That you and I and all of creation could live. And we have a God who is with us now, even still in every moment of every day, among us, within us, God's Spirit proclaiming truth in ways that we had not even known it before, continuing to proclaim the gift of life, of love, of salvation, of forgiveness, of mercy. That is span all of history and will always it is beyond what we can imagine and so good and we need some mystery we live in an age where we figure everything out we solve it and if it doesn't have an equation 
a formula, a paragraph, a treatise, and a period at the end, we don't know what to do with it. But that's not life. That's not the world. It's not that cut and dry. It's not that simple. We need this mystery that we live in that is our faith in God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what that mystery does, what the mystery of the Trinity does to us, when we come into the presence of God, that mysterious, holy presence of God in all the forms and ways that God has chosen to reveal God's self to us, that can do a couple of things. Number one, it'll humble us. Because that's more than we can fathom. Thank God for some humility in God's people and in this world. Lest we think we've got it all figured out and we have solved the mystery of faith. It'll humble us. And the other thing a good mystery does is it draws you in. Rather than get to that point in your thinking, in your reading, in your praying, in your studying, in your conversation, in your worship, when, it, when, it, when the mystery presents itself, when the Trinity, the mystery of the Trinity is presented, rather than push you away, it'll pull you in to know God more fully and to be more fully known by God. This is the work of God in the world. This is the work of God in the church. This is the work of the church in the world. This mystery of God's presence and how God is active in our lives and in our world draws us in. It gives us some humility so that we know that, hey, this is to draw everyone in. This is a movement of inclusion to say we don't have all the answers. But we worship and serve a God who does, who is all the answers. And we feel drawn to God in every way. And we want everyone to be drawn to God in every way and to feel that invitation into the mystery. And as we move further and further into responding to that invitation the mystery of who God is in God's fullness. We grow more and more into the image of who God created us to be to begin with. Both for ourselves, for our church, and for the world. It's a mystery. And it's a mystery to explore, to experience, and to cherish. May it be so of you, of me, of us today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.